Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Please take your seats. 12 years today, today, today. It was a long time ago. Feels like yesterday. My little Evangeline daughter was born. So happy birthday, sweetheart. She's our little princess after four amazing sons. And... um, we had a firm foundation class, if I remember right, and we had to race off at 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night because um, she gave birth, my wife gave birth. Um, well, today we're going to continue the, the, the talk or the series on the father and the family. I want to say to you, first of all, welcome to the family. We belong to the family of God. God is our father and we, in the truest sense of the word, are brothers and sisters. We're actually a family. You know, the Bible's really clear about the language it uses. It talks about God being our Father, yes. It talks about us being brothers and sisters. Um, First John talks about there is the children of the devil and there's the children of God. There's nothing in between. Why? Because when Adam and Eve lost the presence of God and they were separated from God, they were born from one nature, the nature of God, into the opposite nature. They born into sin, death, separation from God. Every person that was born after Adam and Eve were born into sin and death. So we're actually children of the enemy, the devil. The father was our father. The father was our de- the devil himself. We needed to be born again. That's what Jesus said. That's why he says, marvel not, don't freak out that I say to you, you must be born again. Why? From one nature into the other nature. We were children of the enemy, the devil, but he translated us, rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. There's only two kingdoms, darkness and light. He took us out of the kingdom of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. And now he calls us children of God. Jesus himself said, who is my brother and who's my mother and who's my sister? Because they were outside wanting to talk to him. For some reason, they weren't coming in, and they're calling him out. And he goes, who is my brother, my, so- my brother, my mother, my sister? And he goes, those that do the will of my father, that, that is truly my brother, my mother, my sister. Imagine the reality that we are engrafted through the adoption. And when God adopts us, he adopts us completely perfect. I love that. And he actually gave birth to us by his seed in the word of God which lives and abides forever we are truly children of God and we're family so if you never ever thought about that never had the concept of that I want you to think church is family it might not have been that to you maybe your past experience hasn't really felt family but I want to say to you that's how God sees it I want to catch up to what God sees about me I want to keep changing and growing to see myself and see each other the way God views us. He views us as family. He treats us as family. So therefore, we need to treat him as our father and each other as brothers and sisters. And this is a family. Now, again, little by little, we're going to be transformed and changed. I really believe the enemy, the devil has attacked the family, the unit of family. God created it, man and woman. And he made them together to become one. When, when a man leaves his mother and father, he, lose, he, leaves his, he leaves one unit under the submission of his mother and father. And when he's married to the woman, he becomes their own. And you leave your mother and father to be joined to your wife. So you now create that, that nucleus of becoming a family. And when you have children, they submit unto the authority of that family. That model of father and mother, that model of children, is, it reflects the, the heart of the father. 
It shows us what God is like. We need to understand that because the enemy is attacked at every which way possible. They say there's 80, and please, if, if, this, is, if, you, if this has been your past, that's abs- I'm not saying it for that reason. I'm just trying to help us see the enemy has attacked us. And outside of Christ, there go I. Okay, so it's not any, don't take guilt or shame. You've come out of that life, all right? But the enemy has, uh, causes 80,000 abortions a year in our nation alone. 80,000 precious children that should have had life, lost their life before they even had a chance. That's a lot of children. So the enemy wants to take a life before it's even born, out of the name of convenience and so on. Divorces, um, breakups, there's, there's about 20%, it's not very high, but it's still high enough. 20% of children um, grow up in one-parent families. You might say, well, that's not a lot, but you know, it's still affecting all those people. Um, they say there's about 5 million families in Australia. 5 million, but 20% of them grow up with no, no, one parent or so. God wants family restored. The enemy wants to separate, split up, fight, anger, all the things that he can do to break up family. God wants the, 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 the nucleus of family within your own family. When we get that right and we understand this as family, this is just an extension of the family, the biological family. This is the extension of it. So please understand that. We've got to learn how to do relationships. We are different. God places us in the family, and we're so different to each other. I've had five children. Every single one of them is so different. Personality, style, gifting, everything about them is different. But in family, they've got to learn to work together. They've got to learn to abide together, live together. But that's family. Me and my wife are so different. We're opposites to some areas. So a lot of things we love the same and the same interests, but personality-wise, we're so different. But when you're opposite... And you come together as one with a common goal and vision and purpose, which is our Father and God. God unites us and we actually become stronger because we're different. When we were younger in in our marriage and Christine would come up with ideas and she should do this and we should do that. And very administrative. And and I said, man, and I I remember used to joke about that. You you need a personal assistant. Because it, wasn't, it never got done. It's just, it's amazing. We need to do this. And now, because we're working together as a team better, it actually gets executed. Yeah. And so she makes me look better. <laughs> I'm way better than I am because of her. She makes me look better. I make her look better. I'm talking about spiritual things. So <laughs> the enemy wants to attack family. I think, it, I think it's obvious that we understand he is actually after that. He's really after it. He hates love. He hates unity. He, he doesn't like when we love each other. He tries to get offense in and bitterness and unforgiveness to grow. It's the root of bitterness that grows in our hearts that actually brings offense. And the offense brings separation and division where God wants us to become one. Even with our differences, we've got this common goal of loving our Father. He's given us a mission to love one another, to love the lost world, to, to share the gospel of the kingdom. That's our mission. Every single person in this, in this church and every person that's hearing me online, the, the mission of a believer is to reach people that don't know his love. But obviously that comes out of a love relationship with God. When you're in love with the Father, everything comes out of knowing God as your Father. 
And again, if you've had a bad upbringing, maybe didn't have a father or had a father that was there, was not there. My children sometimes joke to me. They say, Dad, you're there, but you're never... Uh, you're, yeah, you're a father that was there, but not there. I mean, if you, you wanted to know about a father that was there or not there, I can tell you about my dad. But anyways. I know they're joking. I know they're joking. They are joking. But uh, you know, I suppose when you know, when you talk about kingdom things, the standard is... The standard goes really high, you know, and uh, but we joke about it to each other, and it's good because <laughs> Josiah, Josiah, I'm just thinking of Josiah when I've watched him play football. I uh, must have been on the phone once. I saw the try. He thinks I didn't see the try, and he goes, "Now you, I looked over and you were watching. You, you were on the phone. Um, you were on the phone talking to someone, but I saw every bulldozing try he ever scored. I used to call him little bulldozer, but doesn't that show that the heart of a child?" Because they're looking at dad to see if they're watching. It's just, it's just put in us. In a, in a nucleus of a biological father, a, fam, a, a family, but also within the kingdom family. And I think it's something powerful when you actually come in line with what God sees. Because something has shifted in my heart more and more. And I think God's doing this right across the globe, right across the church where we see each other as family, even if you don't belong to this church family. That I rejoice when I hear about last night, so many thousands, hopefully, I, I trust it was thousands that made decisions for Frank, Franklin Graham's preaching, and they came to Christ. I rejoice as if it came into our church. People came into the kingdom, the family of the kingdom. We rejoice. If heaven rejoices, we rejoice, because people are valuable. And that we pray for souls to be saved in all the churches, not just our church. Imagine when the church, the saints, in God's body, God's church, prays fervently for unsaved people getting saved just in the church globally or in Australia. Like, Lord, we pray for the church in Sydney. All the church that's preaching the name of Jesus, preaching the gospel, we pray for salvations. And we pray as passionately as we do when we pray for our own church. That, to me, started, family starting to grip our heart. We spoke last week about uh, 10 things that should be in a family. There's a lot more than these. I'm just bringing out some of the things that I feel is important. We spoke about being loved. Just, just knowing that you're loved. That happens between you and God the Father first. But after you've received it from God the Father, it also happens within family. I think we need both. You can't say, no, I just need God. Uh, as long as I've got God, I don't need anybody else. That's not a true revelation from God. First John says that if you say you love God, you can't hate your, your brother. It actually says if you say you love God, you will love your brother. And the, word, the definition of love in First John is to lay down your life for your brother. That's the definition if you want to know it. To actually lay down your life for your brother. To hate your brother is to not lay down your life for your brother. When you see your brother in need and you turn a blind eye, that's, that's actually hating. Not an emotion. That's the opposite of love is not laying down your life for your brother. So when God gives us his love, we actually lay down our life for each other. And we love one another. We lay down our life for each other. Love is, is yes, it's between, between the Father, but it's also between each other. We've got to learn to love. That means when we do have little oughts against one another, what does the Bible say? Forgive one another. Forgive as Christ forgave you. It's easy to forgive when you know you owed God a billion dollar debt you could never pay. I know I owed God a debt I could not pay if I tried in million, millions of lives. 
If I had a million lives to live and I tried to live it more perfect, I would never repay the debt I owed God. God forgave me for free. Billions of dollars that I could never pay him even if I tried. God forgave me for free. That's, so when, hurt, when people hurt me, it's $20 debts. It really is. I see it that way. I just forgive. I forgive. I forgive because I know I'm forgiven. So to the degree that you understand how much you're forgiven, it gives you the love to forgive others when people hurt you. We will be hurt. We will be let down. We will be misunderstood. We will get disappointed. People will let you down. Uh, and, 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 but it's this love to say, Lord, I forgive with, with all the faults. That's what family is. You have a, a brother and sister have a fight and they might have an argument and an outsider will go, oh my gosh. And then the, the, the next hour, they're best friends. That's family. Because you know how to work through it. You forgive, you release. You don't hold grudges. Now I know, I know it's true that you could. People within family hold grudges because you've got a free will. But we can forgive. Amen? Being loved happens within a family. I think we need to have ongoing encounters with the Father's love. Ongoing. Not a one-off encounter. Yes, Leo, I had an encounter in 1987. God touched me. But I'm ongoingly. Keep your heart soft, pure. Keep it pliable. Right now when we're worshiping, God was just touching my heart. I love it. I love the presence of God. I need the presence of God. I need His love. I need Him to wash over me. I, I have that regular encounters with his love where he just fills me with his love but I, I need to know his affirmation you leave a baby in, in, in a feed him food they stop growing and they die that's what happens to us humans because we we are created for love number two is know, knowing your identity and i and i, I want to emphasize i know i touched this last week but i, I need to emphasize the identity, you know, your identity is knowing who you are in Christ. Yeah. Knowing and seeing yourself the way he sees you. Okay? I know that, that's an ongoing revelation, continually receiving revelation from the Father. But it's also worked out in our relationship with one another. Yeah. Again, if I just have this relationship with God about my identity, and I don't work it out in life and in family, in church life, I think I'll, I'll, I'll be stunted in my growth. Like if I know who I am in Christ, and I know that God has given me authority, and He's given me power, and He's given, he's, he's, he's given us position just like Jesus. We're joint heirs with Christ. We're seated in heavenly places with Christ. Well, how do I exercise that authority? By going out and praying for, for people. The more I pray for people out in the streets, the more I demonstrate the power of God, and I see Him get healed, and I say, wow, something changes in me. The more you do it, the more you see God heal people, you get something changes in you, and you think, wow. God, this is so real. This is working. This is happening. You just used me to heal someone. It's outworked by living out our identity. The more we do it, the more we practice. I remember first time I ever preached, for example, just first time I ever, actually preached my heart out. I did everything I knew to do. I preached the word. I preached revelation. I preached example. I did everything. And at the end, I just closed the meeting. I had no response. I, I didn't make a response. I didn't have the guts to. I, I was too shy. I was too, didn't have confidence, didn't know how to do it. So I just closed the meeting and sat down. And the pastor got up and he just made a response. It's a real quick one. And half the church came out and weeping, went out the front crying. And I had to learn, I learned a big lesson. I thought, wow, Lord, I, see, unless I practice, unless I'm out there, I make a mistake, but that's okay because we're learning. And I realized 
I could have made that call. I could have made the response. I could have brought the challenge out that we need to respond. It's the little things. Sometimes the first lessons you never forget. The first things that happen to you. But knowing your identity, we need to have encounters with God, yes, but also encounter and live out your identity here within family. All right. Practice it. Live it out. Even your righteousness, knowing that you are right with God. Live that out in community. Having purpose is, again, yes, it's between you and God, but then you actually got to function in the body. Purpose. Everyone's got purpose. Every single person in the body of Christ has purpose. According to Ephesians chapter 4, it says every part doing its share. If you've got a healthy body, a healthy cells and organs, they all give life to one another. Every cell exists for other cells. They grow, they multiply, they give life. When a cell doesn't give life, it's a cancerous cell. It exists only for itself. It takes life. It doesn't give life. God created every member as a cell to give life, to exchange life, to give of God, give of love, give of kindness, give of the word, give of ministry. Give. When you give and you're receiving. It's exchanging life. You give and you receive. Every person has been called by God to function. Church isn't for you to come, attend, sit down, be entertained, preach to me, feed me, dish up the meal for me, and then during the week we don't do anything. That's not church. God didn't create church to be that. He wants relationship between every one of us, and He wants family. He wants working together. Don't lower, I'm saying this with love, don't lower your relationship with God to an experience just on a Sunday. Don't lower it to where I'm going to come. This is vital. It's in the Bible. I believe it. The worship of a, a gathering together, worshiping our king together, something powerful happens. But we have to all give of the gift, the ability, the, 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 the talents, the, the anointing that he's given you. Every single person has something to give that we're actually functioning. We're operating. Again, you're going to get hurt, but we work through that and we continue to give. It's vital for us to grow in the house. Imagine if I, I've raised five children, still raising five children, or four at home. Five more weeks, they'll be free at home. Josiah's getting married. But we've raised them. Imagine if we did absolutely everything around the house, absolutely everything. Me and my wife did everything, and our kids did nothing. That's how the kids want it these days. But I'm telling you, as parents, it's wrong. If, your if you don't teach your children to take up their responsibility, to pick up their clothes and put into the laundry, to teach them to wash their dishes, to have chores, to clean around the house, they just expect everything to be done for them. And they actually fight you because they're so used to it. Or maybe all their friends at school don't do anything. Chores are good because it means everyone's doing something. And you're training them for life. Because when they get married, they're going to be domesticated. Yeah, wow, my husband could cook. My husband wants to clean. My husband's used to cleaning. He just, just gets up without even asking. He's cleaning the house. What a beautiful husband that would be. We're creating amazing men and amazing princesses. Uh, you hear what I'm saying? In other words, you don't just come and someone else does all the work and we do nothing. We're all doing something. We all carry. We all serve. It's, it's demonstrated in a family. Amen. Our children, no, if I can say so myself, our children are amazing. 
They are contributing to society. They are blessing. They are blessing the world. They are not living for themselves. They're living for God. They're living for others. They're laying down their life. And they've got vision. They have purpose. They're not, they're not messed up. They're not in the world. You know, they're not wrecked by the world. They're going for it because we're establishing these truths that you can too. Put these truths in them. Having security comes from being in family. Again, security is the, the fruit of being loved, and it's the fruit of being in family. Psalm says that God places the lonely or the one that's solitude, he's lonely, he's by himself. He takes that person that's lonely and puts them in family. That's the solution for loneliness. It's family. Ever since I got married and we had children, I don't feel lonely. Too busy to be lonely. I'm too laying down my life for my family and for my children and to connect with them and, and with my wife to be lonely because God puts loneliness in family. The lonely in family. But we've got to not resist the family when you are in family. Sometimes it's hard because when I'm speaking on family, there are limits to each other, isn't there? If every single person thinks they're going to be the best friend to me and I want to spend time with Leo and I, I just want to hang out with Leo, I want to get to know him, then that's not going to be a reality because I'll probably burn out and I'll lose my family because I'm spending time with hundreds and hundreds of people. Does that make sense? There's going to be reality. We need to understand there are limits on each other. People have to work full-time jobs. They've got their own families. And so what I'm trying to say is we're always giving out. This is what relationship is. I'm giving out because I, I want to receive. And we're all going to have certain expectations. So when you get... Put into a family, it's so easy to think, well, surely within a few months, I'm going to be so best friends of everybody. I'm going to be so intimate with everybody. I'm going to know everybody so well. I'm going to be in family. But it actually takes more time than a few months. Real family takes time because you're building trust. You're building love. You're building acceptance. I intimacy is into me, you see. How much do you allow that to happen? You could be the one that puts the walls up. Put the blinders up in the window. Blinds up. I don't want no one to see into me. And, but you, well, there's no family. I don't feel any family. By now I should have known everybody. Well, put the, put the blinders down a bit. Open the doors once in a while. Let someone in and have a meal with them. Do you understand? It's a two-way street. So please don't let the enemy get you discouraged, disappointed, and you've got the expectations high. It doesn't get met. Frustration happens and, you, and the enemy tries to say, there's no family. This is not really family. You understand what I'm saying? Please hear that as a father because depending on your past, your background and what you've had and if you've been hurt in other churches or other families, it could take some time to restore that hurt and that trust. Take your time. I'm not saying that. But don't let the enemy push you away. That's what I'm saying. Security comes within family and it's outworked within family. I don't know how to explain it any other way but we put God number one. But we've got to, it's my responsibility as a father to make sure my children feel secure in my love. So um, by mistake, I didn't do it on purpose because Evangeline knows this. But when I planned to go to India for two weeks in November, I, 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 I assumed, and it was always like this for weeks, that her graduation date was somewhere in the second week of December. So I made sure I came back the second of December and it fell on the very Monday. I arrived 9.30 and her graduation from primary to high school was on that day. So I missed out. I was, her dad wasn't going to be there. But again, I've got to show her I love her and she means everything to me. And I said to her, don't worry, we'll have a date on Friday. She lit up. 
She's so excited. We have an amazing date together on Friday. That, that showed her that, yes, I put God first, but it doesn't mean I don't love her. You know, people that put their kids first and not God lose their kids. I'm telling you, I've seen that many, many times. So it's, it's, not, it's showing them, it's knowing to keep their love tanks full. You know when their love tank's not full. It's your responsibility as a father and a mother to make sure your children's love tank's full. And same in this context. How do you find security? You just know that you know that you're loved. It's got to be outworked though. Okay. And it's both ways. We don't minister to find acceptance and find security. I heard one person say, if I need to minister, my ministry is not needed. If I need to minister, like I have to minister so I can get appraises from people and people can see how good I am and they can accept me for who I am because they see my gift operating. If I need to minister, then my ministry is not needed. So you get to a place where you do this for the king, but I don't need the praises of people. I'll do it. I'll lay down my life. I'll do all that you call me to do. Like when we go on to equip time, uh, we, we, no one knows who's going to preach at the conference in Melbourne, but we have to be ready. And so sometimes you don't get called up, but you've got a message ready. So whether you get called up or not, you, you're willing to, you don't need to minister. You, you, you're willing to use your gift fully, but if you don't get called up, you don't get frustrated and get upset. You'd be surprised how many men of God and women of God get upset because they weren't called up. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't called up. They don't appreciate me and my gift. And I don't see it. That's just, the body doesn't need your ministry, if that's the case. Because when you do it out of love, you, you give security to people. People feel secure in that love. Number five, really quickly, I'll try to get a few through this. I love this. Ephesians 4 verse 25 says this. This is about in family, it's a place to be honest, transparent, and vulnerable. Now, I know we have to be sensitive to the degree that we can do this. Again, it's dependent on our bridge of trust we've developed. To be honest, to be transparent, and to be um, vulnerable. Because in family, that's the place where you can be yourself. Isn't it? You come home, you put your bags down from work, and <sighs> most of our guys, they take their shirts off because it's so hot. I, you know, in my, in my house, I couldn't can be with my shorts. It's my home. And, and, and we relax. We're going to be ourselves. There's no mask at home. True? I'm sure you don't put a mask on at home and try to, hi, and try to be something you're not. You're going to be who you are. To a degree, this is what family is. It's a place from the world. We've got a haven. We've got a refreshing place where we can come in and we've got our mask. We don't have to have a mask. I mean, even in the world, we don't have to. But you know what I'm saying? It's a place where it's, we're accepted. No matter, no matter, with our faults, with our warts, with our wrinkles, with our spots, we're loved. With our differences, with our weaknesses, with all that, we're loved. Listen, listen to what Paul talks to the Ephesians in verse 25 of chapter 4. Wherefore, putting away lying. Stop lying. Speak every man or woman truth with his neighbor. For, this is the reason why you should speak truth to each other, for we are members of one another. Would I lie to myself? Why would I? I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm a member to myself because I, I am who I am. So the other person is actually, when I say member of one another, we're one body. We are one. Why would I have to pretend and be somebody I'm not to somebody we're, we're one body with? Does that make sense? When you, see, when you understand family, you realize, I could be truthful, I could be vulnerable, I could be transparent. Um, you, you can relax, p- drop all the walls of protection because you know you are loved. 
when I was a young, young Christian, I mean, I just got saved. I remember talking to the Lord, a conversation outside in my backyard. So you're under the stars, just talk to God and try to open up to him. And sometimes I wouldn't feel anything and experience anything. God said to me, Leo, the key's in your heart. You know, the door, the door is your will. You've got to open up. If you open up to me, then I'll open up to you. In other words, the Bible says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. So I didn't know, it was hard, I'm learning. So I would make myself open up and make myself talk to God. Even though I didn't know what to say. I just start somewhere. Just, I got the key. The key is my will. I make myself open up to God. I'm talking to him and say, God, why is it that everyone wants to be loved? When you meet a friend or a stranger in the streets, you, you put on your best face. You're friendly. You're nice. You're kind. Your mannerisms are, are nice. Is it true? Why? Because it's something deep inside of us. We all want to be loved. We want to be liked. And we want to be accepted. No one wants to be hated. No one wants to be rejected. We want to be loved. So I'd say that to the Lord. I said, why is that? I said, why is it at home it's the hardest place to love? At home. I wasn't, I wasn't married then, just my brothers and sisters, my brother and sister and my mum. And, and I said to the Lord that, and he said, well, because at home you already know you're loved. You're not trying to get their love. You're not trying to get their acceptance. You're not trying to get their approval. You just know that you're loved. So what you see is what you get. I'm not saying that's the reason why you should be abrupt or angry or unkind I'm saying the root issue is you're not trying to get their love we should be giving love and so when you want to when you meet a stranger or a friend we're so nice and kind we should show that love and kindness at home learn to love at home that way if you can love at home you've mastered love that's what family is You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.